I'm Dave. And I'm Nancy. And this is Middle-Aged Wisdom. Where we talk about mistakes we've made. Lessons we've learned. And sharing things we think are super cool. So you can get closer to living your best life. Welcome to episode three of Middle-Aged Wisdom. I'm Dave. And I'm Nancy. Hi. Did you ever have a conversation with somebody and you're trying to get a point across and you say, hey, so I was thinking about, and then the yeah. person chimes in. Yeah, 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 did, yeah. Did, did you just interrupt me? Uh, oh, I knew where you were going with it. I, <laughs> I just read your mind and I knew exactly where you were going with it. Yeah, it happens like this. And they say, yeah, 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 yeah. And then you're like, no, that is not what I was going to say. What I was going to say was, did you ever see? And then they say, oh, yeah, yeah, like blah, blah, blah. And you're like, no, that is not what I was saying. Um, that's what we're going to talk about today. And you don't always have the opportunity to actually express that frustration out loud. Sometimes you just have to stifle it and let this other person, the listener, quote unquote listener, just sort of do their thing. We're going to talk about three categories of people, the sentence finisher, the cutter offerer, <laughs> and the hijacker. And when we talk about these categories, we just want you to think about if you ever fall into them. And don't be embarrassed if you do, because I fall into them sometimes. Don't we all, Nancy? <laughs> <laughs> we all fall into them sometimes. So. It's kind of a self-evaluation. Don't be embarrassed. It's just meant to make us better communicators with each other, whether we're in the workplace, whether it's a relationship, spouse, family, and we want to get a point across. We have to actually listen to the conversation and digest it in order to come up with a response. And we're going to talk about that today. And it's one of those things with uh, having reached middle-aged, wisdoms we've gained is how to resist some natural impulses you may feel in your own brain about how to act in a certain situation and how to self-manage that so that you can be more effective in your interpersonal communications because that's what helps us all get ahead in life with our relationships at work, whatever. The first category is the sentence finisher. This is the person that you'll say, oh, the rainbow is so, and they'll be like, beautiful, right? It's so beautiful. And you'll be like, no, it's very big and colorful. That's the sentence finisher. So uh, Dave had this really funny story that I couldn't help but laughing out loud when he told me this one. Yes, the sentence finisher is, is also sort of AKA the person who starts talking before you're even done with your sentence type of thing. And so there was this meeting I was at one time for work and imagine a conference room that, that could seat like 20 people and there's probably 10 people in there. And there's this fellow who's the, the listener, quote unquote, we'll call him the listener the sentence finisher listener, and he's a high-level executive in this company, and he had this habit, whenever somebody else was talking and he was getting ready to offer a response, I think a good five to 10 seconds before the person speaking was clearly gonna be done with their sentence, this guy's mouth already started moving and mouthing really visually that he was trying to talk and his finger was sort of twirling to the side of his face, kind of like near where his mouth was going. 
like trying to get the other person to wrap up so he could just pounce and start talking as quickly as humanly possible. The problem with that, as you can imagine, and I, you have to picture Dave doing this because as he's telling the story, he's also <laughs> moving his finger. <laughs> the problem with that is you haven't even you haven't even thought about what the person said to even have an educated response to that. The only thing you have is in your mind what you think is important to say at that moment, which isn't necessarily productive to that conversation. Yeah, how how just prestigious you must be to not have to listen to people finish their sentences that what you have to say is so important that you got to start it before the other person even stops. <laughs> right, right. So think about that next time you want to jump into something. Yeah, and I, and I think a big thing I took out of that was the guy's obviously signaling to everybody around him that I don't, I'm not really listening to you. I mean, it's it's obvious, plain as day, that it's like, I'll just stop. Which isn't a great feeling. It stifles people's reactions and their comments and the conversation itself. Oh, yeah. Like, I was like, I am not going to chime in during this meeting because that's just going to be a waste of my time. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, that's how I would feel, too. Yeah. Along those lines, it's really easy to think that you know where someone is headed with the conversation or think you know what they're going to say or what they mean when in all reality, you don't know any of it. Um, there's this really interesting story that Dave told me, and he, he tricked me with it last night. And um, he's going to share that that with you because I think it's, it's very meaningful for this. Yeah, so it's kind of a, an example in a training class I went where the, the instructor has this black felt tip marker in his hand. And so right now in my hand, I have a black marker. The whole thing is black. It writes in black that, that physically everything about it looks black. So I'm going to hold it up and I'm going to, I'm going to sit, I'm going to give you this example here. So Nancy, look at my new green marker. Isn't this cool? I wait, I bought it like weeks ago and it finally came in the mail and I'm so excited for my green marker. So right now I'm thinking either you're colorblind <laughs> or I need to get you a mental evaluation because something's going on with your brain patterns and your recognition, like something's wrong. Yeah, you think I'm nuts. But let me let me ask you this. If you maybe pause for a second and assume maybe I'm missing something of why Dave thinks it's green, if you allowed yourself that, like cut you know, sort of headed off your own assumptions and thought, well, maybe maybe Dave isn't nuts. Let me question that assumption for a second. How might you act or what, what might you do? So then I might say something like uh, okay, does it write green? Um, does it make money when you write with it? And that's why it's green? It's raining up in here, yeah. <laughs> no, actually, oh, I'm sorry. It, it writes in black, but it's uh, it's made out of 100% recycled materials. It's green, like good for the environment. Right, which doesn't cross the mind until you ask these clarifying questions. Yeah, because some, sometimes even the people who's the speaker, uh, not everybody's going to be effective or clear in what they're saying or as communicative, communicative as maybe they could or should be. You know, maybe I should have said a little more because I was confusing my audience. But at the same time, if you're the audience, try to head off your assumptions and don't assume somebody's crazy. Give them a little bit of a chance. And clarifying questions are so important, too. Dave loves clarifying questions. Um, I came up with an awesome example, which I actually didn't even run by you yet. Mm. But I was thinking about this this morning. So a clarifying question during COVID-19 would be like, oh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm so careful. I'm so safe. Like, I will not get the virus. I, I've been so careful. And you're thinking, 
is your safe and your clean the same mm. definition as mine? Yeah. Because to me, that means I don't go anywhere. I'm wearing a mask if I do go somewhere. I'm only going to work. My groceries are being delivered. But to some people, that might mean I don't wear a mask because I don't think that's safe wearing a mask. And so that person may say, I'm being safe, mm -hmm. which means not wearing a mask. Or maybe there's that middle version of I'm being safe I'm going wherever I choose to go, but I'm wearing a mask. So if we were to hang out with somebody who says they've been safe, my clarifying question might be, well, what does safe mean to you <laughs> exactly? So that's right. one of my favorite. Everybody who knows me well will know that this is one of my common clarifying questions when I'm you know, questioning my own assumptions or understanding is, what does blank mean to you? And sometimes it annoys people because they feel like they've Every really, day. they've really <laughs> clearly communicated something to me. But I'm like, wait, 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 wait. What does blank mean to you? So, like, I I work in the construction industry, and in a common way this could come up is if if I have a, a big project under construction, somebody may say or ask me, "Hey, when's your project going to be done?" And I'll think about it, and the word done can mean a lot of different things because construction projects don't just kind of end one day. They have a way of sort of fading into completion. And so a common question I'll ask is, well, what, is, what does done mean? Which, which version of done? Is it done with the heavy civil construction? Are we done with the warranty? Are we done with closing out permits? You know, which... Which thing are you talking about being done? What's done mean to you? Because that can mean years, literally. Sometimes, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. right. All right, so now let's talk about category number two, the cutter offerer. And Nance, you have a really a really interesting story about a cutter offerer. Somebody who was <laughs> That's like the best way to say it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I like saying er, er, er. Yeah, yeah, it's just kind of fun. But uh, it actually relates to a really important sort of high stakes conversation you were having about a patient's health, like life and death we're talking here. So yeah, why don't you tell that story? Right, so this happened in just recently in my office with a patient and this patient had had um, sleep apnea and we diagnosed it back in or her, her physician and diagnosed it back in december and she went for a sleep test and her oxygen saturation was at about 70 percent which here in colorado and probably most places you're going to get to the 98 99 altitude and maybe 96 to 98 percent. so that's the norm of how much oxygen Hers was down to 70. So she went for the sleep test. She ended up having surgery on her nose just to increase the airway and the airflow through her nose to try to get that number to come up. And she had another sleep test done and her oxygen was only at 80. So it did improve, but not a ton. And this was how far, how far past or after the Several surgery? Months Several she months had, that she was retested. My alarm bells went off as I'm talking with her. So I wanted to get some clarification from the surgeon. So he's um, he's been a friend and he knows me well enough to know that I'm fairly smart. And if I ask a stupid question, he doesn't look down on me for asking that question. So I feel very safe to ask him pretty much anything. When I called him, I, I didn't expect him to recognize the patient because this was back in the in last year. And I was just kind of giving him a little bit of background to who she was. So here's how the conversation went. Hey, I saw so-and-so on um, just for her checkup recently, and I noticed that after her surgery, it was 70%, and now it's at only at 80%. 
And so before I can even ask the question, he then said, well, Nancy. So, so right after you said that, you, you were wanting to, that was context, and you wanted to say something else, but he cut right in. Right. And he said, well, Nancy, you know that surgery alone is not going to fix her sleep apnea. And I said, I understand, but, and then I was going to say another sentence to actually get to my actual question. And then he said, and there's tons of documentation saying that this is not the case, that surgery will not fix sleep apnea unless, of course, more invasive surgery is, is done, not just nasal surgery. So he was on the lookout for something he thought you were going to say, and he just like, bam, pounced. Right. My real question then was, I understand, but I'm concerned about non-smokers lung cancer. Should I be concerned? Mm. And he said, oh. Well, let's think about that. Yes, let's let, let's see what we can do about this. So then I thought I looked at myself after the conversation, and obviously I put him at the defensive, right? Like I was saying something, and he obviously had possibly other doctors or other dentists or whoever it was in the past say before, "Oh, your surgery didn't work, or we only did this, or it wasn't successful," and his trigger went off. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I, I have to defend myself because um, she needs to know that this wasn't going to cure everything. Yeah. He just immediately struck down the path of defensiveness, assuming that's where you were headed. Right. And yeah. that was not my intent at all. Yeah. Um, so then I started to evaluate myself and I thought, OK, in a different conversation, perhaps I could have said in the very beginning, I'm concerned about non-smokers lung cancer. Which then he's like, would probably be like, oh, oh really? here's the reason why. Mm -hmm. And then he would kind of, and then I would be able to say my, my reasoning and, and it would make more sense possibly. So I always have to work on myself. I always have to work on my delivery of information all the time. And so all these things may seem very simple, but they're also very useful tools because you'll start to evaluate how you deliver messages and if they're effective or not. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one where she, where she would have it maybe would have been effective just to simply reverse the order of how you delivered that information. Exactly. Right? doesn't right. mean he wouldn't have still found a, a way to cut you off somewhere else during the conversation, but it maybe would have avoided the defensiveness that, that got triggered. Because you feel pretty good about it. Yeah. This, this, for some reason, this particular thing, for some reason, just, just I think, triggered him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, especially people you interact with a lot, that, that's where you should try to develop these cues and learn about how that person takes in information and what kind of listener they are. Right. Yeah. So really, it's a two-way street, too, because, you know, you, you want to think about how you're delivering information to, to your audiences. But when you are the audience, too, so this surgeon also, by cutting Nancy off, was almost going to miss out on hearing the big part, which is, hey, I'm worried about this patient having lung cancer, which is a really big deal. So sometimes you have to hold hold your tongue, show a little bit of restraint when you feel the impulse to cut in or cut somebody off. Which leads us to our next category. The hijacker. Mm. The hijacker of the conversation will interrupt, but then you won't even get back to your point ever. <laughs> you just go off and you just head off into outer space and off you go. <laughs> right. And you won't come back to it because usually the person that is hijacked will just give up. Yeah. It'll just be like, forget it. <laughs> I don't even feel like talking about this anymore. Literally, this has become your topic to talk about yeah. <laughs> uh, and dave's story was um to do with um when he was presenting in front of a group of people yeah so i uh had this 
email come out to a bunch of staff from one of my coworkers asking for people for advice for dealing with prairie dogs. I, I deal with heavy civil construction, and sometimes you might have a site where there are prairie dog colonies. Is and a prairie dog the same as a groundhog? No, no, different species. Mm. Yeah, yeah. They kind of look the same, though, no? Yeah, similar. They're rodents that dig holes and burrow under the ground. Okay. Uh, so, so anyway, I had an experience dealing with prairie dogs from like seven, eight years ago, and I documented this experience like like I was treating it like an academic paper. I, I documented all the costs and what I dealt with, and over time and everything. Uh, so I had some experience to share. So I said, "Hey, uh, yeah, I can help. Let's set up a time to talk." So uh, a few days later, we get on a, a virtual call. And I had a present, a whole PowerPoint presentation I'd given like seven, eight years ago that I was ready to show these guys. And I was locked and loaded, ready to monologue on them. But I, but I paused and I said, Hey guys, you know, I had all this experience and I got a bunch of stuff I could share, but you know what, before I monologue on you, why don't you tell me what your situation is so I can make sure what I have to share with you is going to be helpful. So I, because of the wisdom I'd gained, I, I had that thought to actually pause and ask them what which, what do you need which probably helped them and they appreciated it so much because now their time isn't wasted listening to you just ramble on and on about all these things that may or may not be important i never them. ramble nancy never How dare you never <laughs> <laughs> no no but but ever. but seriously though if that kind of let's say if i would have had that same interaction 10 years ago Right when the, the the meeting started, I probably would have monologued on them for 15 to 20 minutes. But in this case, I spent about 10 minutes listening to them. And then I kind of cherry picked the information from my presentation that was suitable or useful to them. Yeah. This totally reminds me of webinars these days because everybody and their brother is doing a webinar since there isn't in-person meetings. And I've listened to so many and nothing annoys me more than sitting for an hour listening to someone talk and at the end not a single question was answered like i feel like they should start with question and answers so the things that we're really wondering like we can get answered like the, mm -hmm. the important things that we find important right yeah you've recruited all these people here under the guise of however you advertise the webinar and then it can almost feel like false advertising at that point too especially right. if the whole audience has a whole bunch of questions that didn't get answered clearly didn't get answered oh, by the content and then they'll leave room for like 10 questions and there you see in the queue like a hundred <laughs> and you're like there's 90 people that didn't get their questions answered and i'm one of them it's like maybe they should have done like a q a or like a poll or a survey before they did the webinar just to just Ugh. to line up the actual content to what people actually wanted to hear grueling yeah. absolutely grueling yeah so hopefully all of that was useful information. Like we said, this can apply to anybody. It can apply to the leaders. It can apply to people that work for someone else. It can apply for your relationships or um, your spouse, you know, just listening, mm -hmm. being a good listener and really digesting what they're saying. So it's an effective conversation. So you're not just rambling on just to hear yourself talk. Yeah, because it's one of the most frustrating things any of us can experience is to feel misunderstood or not heard. listened to, not heard. Mm -hmm. Like you don't hear what I'm actually saying. And because sometimes it's hard to articulate, it, people take for granted how hard it sometimes can be to articulate what you really mean or are feeling. And that sometimes it takes a good listener and clarifying questions to sort of tease out what somebody's really trying to get across. Right.
We have to deal with a lot of that when we create these podcasts. I think it makes our relationship a little better just because we have to hear each other out. Sometimes the ideas that I come up with aren't understood. Like Dave thinks about it and he's like, I don't really get what you're trying to say. (laughs) I don't think we're talking about the same topic. I think that's a different topic or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you really have to sort of have that patience and, and curiosity about the other person to try to get to where you feel really understand each other. Right. So we hope you've learned a little bit about how to have effective conversations and not to be a sentence finisher, a cutter off or, 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 <laughs> or a hijacker. Don't do it. Don't be that person. Have a great day. We'll see you next time.